Back on Sports Medicine Weekly and net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel, and filling in this week, my co-host, Dr. Charles Bush-Joseph. He is one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox and Chicago Bulls, sports medicine specialist, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, orthopedic surgeon, and filling in this week for my usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. And Dr. Chuck, um, again, thanks for joining us. you guys are the head team physicians for the DePaul Blue Demons, aren't you, for Midwest Weather Phoenix yeah, Rush? We have been doing that for many years. It's a lot of fun. You know, we take care of a lot of professional athletes. Dr. Cole and myself, we've been taking care of the Bulls and the, and the White Sox and Chicago Fire for many years. But uh, taking care of college athletes, especially, you know, at a school like DePaul, is, i be honest with you, those are the funnest athletes I enjoy taking care Why of. Why is that? You know, none of them are going pro afterwards. Uh, you know, they're, they're kids who are excited. They're playing a sport for the most part because they enjoy it and they love it or because it provided them with an opportunity to get a, a, a college education where maybe they didn't have that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, the majority of time, this is, the, this is the, their final competitive years. So they want to enjoy it to the best they can. Yeah, so they have, let's say, a full month of the season left, all of February, and then tournament time, whether they go and get into the NCAA tournament or the NIT or the other tournaments that are out there. They seem like there's a new one every year just trying to get teams involved. But, you know, what's it like for a college athlete and uh, probably the most games these guys, some of these guys have ever played, right? Yeah, you know, especially when you got a young team like DePaul. Dave Lato's done a great job of developing Paul's had a lot of lean years, but certainly we feel a lot better this year as, as a team. You know, they're playing well in the Big East. They have got do have a great opportunity to get into one of the postseason tournaments after the Big East tournament. But those guys, like our pros, are wearing down. They're younger kids. They're, you know, they're 19, 20 at most in many instances. And they, they're not used to that overuse, you know, where their knees are sore, but they want to keep playing, especially when you're having a good year. So we're seeing a lot of symptoms of tendonitis in the knee, Achilles tendonitis, IT band syndrome. Uh, in most instances, they want to play through, especially when they're having a good year. So our job is to keep them ready enough that they can still practice, you know, and do all the team development issues and still be effective enough during game game day situations. You bring up a interesting word there, tendonitis. At what age might tendonitis set in? I mean, is it, I, I'm not thinking 19, 20 years old, but what's the youngest you've ever seen tendonitis? I'm always thinking for the older guys. I remember Scotty and Michael you know, always uh, when they were playing for the Bulls, you know, they always wrapped their knees in ice on the bench once Phil called them off the floor and said, we got this one in hand, and they had tendonitis, but I always thought they were in their 30s then. I mean, tell tell me, tell us about that. Well, there's two kinds of tendonitis. I think we see it in young kids, even even our little leaguers, age 14, you know, 12, 13, 14. And in that situation, you've got a normal tendon that the young player is just using too much. They don't have the muscle strength to support or throw the baseball that much or throw a softball that many times, and the tendon just starts to fatigue. Unfortunately, in the older players, they actually have some intrinsic tendon damage where some of those fibers of collagen are starting to fail. And certainly by the time the players get to, you're in my age, I'm a little bit older than you, we've got a lot of fiber fiber tendon damage, so we're going to break down even quicker. Uh, But so usually the young kids, that for them is just a matter of rest. For the middle or the later career athlete, for them, it's a matter of maintaining their body uh, flexibility and balance. And for old guys like you and me, it's just being careful we don't rupture something because you and I are the ones that are going to tear a tendon, uh, whereas our pro athletes, it's actually quite rare for them to 
go on to a catastrophic tendon rupture when they've got tendonitis. Don't confuse tendonitis with arthritis. Arthritis for the older people, right? Uh, arthritis for the older people. But patients who have arthritis, like our, in arthritic knees, you know, it's amazing. Like a player like Dwayne Wade. Dwayne has some, you know, Dwayne has some wear and tear on his knees and surprisingly did not have arthritic pain, but would get secondary tendonitis pain. Uh, but nonetheless, what does that mean? well, I mean, his tendons were inflamed because they were trying to support and absorb the load instead of that shock going through the joint. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, Dwayne was superbly conditioned despite having, you know, quote, an arthritic knee. But every once in a while, he needed days off, times off, because his patellar tendon or his hamstring tendons just couldn't take that repetitive overload. Great stuff. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment. It's the staple of the show. We do it every week here on Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score. And it's very easy. Go to our homepage on our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. On the right side, you'll see a picture of Dr. Cole and myself. Click on that link, and you can ask the doctor a question. Got a couple of great questions here for you, Doc. First one is, how can I determine if my daughter or female athlete is at risk for a serious knee injury? You know, Steve, this is actually a very important question, and I think one that, unfortunately, we have with great frequency. We know that young girls, especially uh, late junior high and high school girls, will tear their ACLs at a rate anywhere from four to six, even sometimes eight times that of boys the same age. So there are some physical characteristics, and, and many of them are growth and development issues. And they can be spotted typically by a professional, certainly a trainer or coaches have been properly schooled on this to recognize certain patterns in, in young women that place them at greater risk. Number one, if they're knock-kneed. If a girl's got a little bit of wider hips and narrower knees, and they're what we call knock-kneed, uh, and they don't have good hip strength, that's a high-risk characteristic. Now, if you've got real concerns... This is something where physical therapists and trainers now are very well experienced at, where they look at these ACL prevention programs where they can identify these physical characteristics. Sometimes you can't see them visually. The obviously ones, like I said, like the narrow, you know, wide hips, narrow knees, um, or sometimes they're balanced single-legged stance and balance on one leg. Those are obvious ones. But there are other ones that we can find out with a little bit more sophisticated testing where a a functional sports analysis, and many therapy companies and trainer, trainer uh, providers will do this, and they do a visual analysis either by videotape and taping specific measures and tell you what girls, where their deficits are, and who is indeed at greater risk. Now, the good thing about that, when you identify these risks, you can mitigate them. And so certainly, coupled with these risks analysis, can, you can get a, these prevention programs that specifically focus the, the muscle deficit, whether it be their hip abductor muscle or a groin muscle that can help lower that risk. Important question for parents to ask if they've got if they're nervous about their young daughter. Okay, and uh, maybe one that relates to that. Next question from one of our listeners: What are the failure rates for the ACL after surgery? Well, the failure rates kind of go along with the risks of tearing your ACL in the first place. So, uh, you know, the older the patient, the lower the retear rate. The higher, the lower the retear rate. Lower the retear rate. Really? So yeah, somebody in their late thirties, early forties, their retear rate should be really in that two to four percent. Wow. Whereas uh, the very young patients, and certainly the young young adolescent females, as we talked about earlier, they have potentially the highest retear rate, anywhere from ten to fifteen percent. In some rare studies, as high as twenty percent. And so usually the same factors occur. So if I'm at high risk for tearing my ACL, I'm doing high risk sports, and I've got muscle imbalances, I better have a really good rehab. And if my rehab's not good, I'm at much higher risk for re for retear. Whereas in older older players, 
usually they can get away with it where they're functioning only about, say, 65, 70, or 75, 75% of their muscle strength in, in their thigh and their hamstring and their hip muscle groups. Whereas a young adolescent female, we wanted them well over 80, 85% of muscle function, or we think they are an indeed higher risk for re-tear. Doc, what's a bigger percentage? You're going to re-tear the surgically repaired knee or the other knee that is perfectly healthy? You know, Steve, there's a time frame on that. Certainly within the first year, the risk of re-tear is higher on the operative knee. Once you get past that first year out, I've got a successful ACL reconstruction. I've returned to my sport and in my competitive situation. Then really at about two or three or five years out, it's almost 50-50 between re-injuring the surgical knee or re-injuring the other knee. And I was one of those people. I was a basketball ACL tear playing in my church league out in the western suburbs. Four years later to the day, same league, retore my other knee. Wow. And, or tore uh, your other knee. I, I, right. Tore the ACL in my other knee. So it ended up with, a, unfortunately, a second surgery. So I, I, I'm in that 10 to 12, I'm sorry, that 10 to 15% of patients who are in the bilateral ACL club. And, uh, you know, for those who get it a second time, it's very depressing because you just go, oh, not again. Uh, but at least the second patients who undergo the second surgery on their other leg get through the surgery a lot easier because they're unfortunately very experienced on how to get through the rehab. That's what Jabari Parker said. He said, you know, after I had the second re-tear, or the, the re-tear, we start that again. That's what Jabari Parker said, right, because he's had a double ACL tear, and he said after the first one, the, the second one was easy because I went through it once. Yeah, you know, that fear of, of what you're going through uh, is gone because you've got that experience. I mean, you know, we all like experience. And, and certainly when you experience medical care, even invasive medical care like a surgical procedure, um, you find it uh, really it's not as scary as what it is. And you understand the science behind it, and that helps you with your rehab and dealing with your therapists and trainers. Good stuff. Appreciate it. We're out of time, Doc. Really appreciate you uh, filling in for Dr. Brian Cole and joining us this week. I enjoy it all the time. Thank you. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing our website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Charles Bush-Joseph, filling in for Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on The Score. Up next on 670 The Score, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Talk with you again next week. Have a great Saturday, everybody. So long.